Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. It was Colonel Mustard with the candlestick in a library. Remember that board game Clue? Well, it was probably more of a mathematical game of probability. Hollywood fictionized, fictionalized it a few years ago into a whodunit movie. And suddenly we learned the backstory of all the characters, and we began to question their motives. Why did Mrs. White betray Professor Plum to murder Mrs. Peacock? Remember that? Our scripture verses today speak to this idea of loyalty or betrayal. Is it one or the other? Or do we slide back and forth between the two? And who is the real victim? Here's what scripture relates to us about Jesus' Wednesday from Mark 14, 1 to 11. Jesus anointed at Bethany. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them <clears throat> any time that you want. <clears throat> but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to be prepared for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. I've been betrayed. I've been betrayed by family members. I've been betrayed by friends. Because of my occupation, unfortunately, I've been betrayed by other ministers. And I've been betrayed by church members of other churches where I've pastored. I've been betrayed. But I've also betrayed others. 
unintentionally. I know there have been times where I have betrayed others and I wasn't even aware that my actions were taken as a betrayal. And I must confess, I have intentionally betrayed other people in my past. I would imagine that the same is true for you. I would imagine that each and every one of you here, and those of you watching live stream, that you also have been betrayed. You are aware of how that feels. And the reason why it's probably so difficult for us when it comes to betrayal is because it's hardwired in, in us as human beings to try to discern if other people are individuals that we can trust. It's how Homo sapiens were able to survive. The reason why we were able to survive is we understood and somehow intuitively knew what people we could trust in, what people we could rely upon, and those that we were more hesitant. Our kind of our gut said, maybe not so close to this person. But as much as we try to listen and respond to that, the reality is sometimes we miss it. And when we miss it, we end up feeling betrayed. But this isn't new. Betrayal is something that happens quite frequently. All you have to do is open up a holy writing. I don't care if it's the Quran or if it's the Hebrew Bible, the Christian Bible, it doesn't matter. You open it up and you're going to find stories of people who have been betrayed. If you look in the, old, the Hebrew Bible, you'll find in there examples of individuals who have betrayed others. You remember the story of Jacob and Esau. Jacob betrays his brother. And then he goes in and he betrays his father. And then he betrays his uncle. Throughout, you find examples where human beings in the Bible have betrayed other people. But on this Wednesday, the Wednesday of Holy Week, the Wednesday before Easter, we find the epitome of betrayal captured in someone that I have yet to meet with this name, Judas. The first time in the Gospel of Mark that we hear about Judas is in chapter 3. It gives us a list of Jesus' 12 apostles. And as you read through that list, it comes to the very last one, and it says Jesus, I mean Judas, who betrayed Jesus. The word to betray literally means to hand over, to offer up. When we find this story of what happened on this Wednesday, it's in Mark at chapter 14. And in that chapter, we find this story, and again, we find one of the literary devices that Mark loves to use, the sandwich. Remember two weeks ago, we talked about a sandwich. A sandwich that has two pieces of bread and what's in the middle. 
What's amazing is in this story, the ultimate, that which is of highest value, is right smack in the middle. Now, I don't know if this is a bologna sandwich or a ham sandwich. I don't know what kind of sandwich it is. But according to the story, what's in the middle is excellent. It's quality stuff. In the middle is a story of an unnamed woman. Other scholars have tried by looking at the other Gospels to figure out who it is. Mark is quite content just calling her an unnamed woman, leaving it at that. But it's her actions that capture this woman's quality. She is willing to do something that is seen as a negative in society. She walks into a group of men, and there she does something that would be seen as less than kosher. She breaks a perfume on Jesus and rubs it into his head and his feet. Somehow, this woman intuitively knows that what Jesus is facing at that very moment and what he will face over the next few days is something that needs to be recognized. Somehow, she can pick up on the signs from Jesus that he's struggling. Now, the text doesn't say that, but in my imagination, I think he knows that life is going to get really difficult really quick. Jesus is facing a huge, huge issue that could end up costing him his life. And while everyone around seems to be preoccupied with these other things, this woman is able to discern from Jesus that something is wrong. And this is her act of compassion toward him. The writer of the story wants in particular us to notice how important what she is doing is because the writer has Jesus say that her act will be remembered for years and years to come. That's why this is such a great sandwich. It's because what's in the middle but the problem is, in order to get to the middle, you got to deal with the outside, those two pieces of bread. And folks, those two pieces of bread, they're rotten. Moldy bread. That's my explanation for it. Because if you read this story in Mark chapter 14, what's in the middle is beautiful. But on both sides of it, it's disgusting. The first piece of bread is the chief priest and the scribes. They are the ones who, the story says, want to kill Jesus. Now, isn't that a wonderful thing for religious leaders to want to do? To kill someone, to get rid of them. The writer doesn't tell us explicitly why, but if we read in between the lines, we can discern why. They're threatened by Jesus. Jesus is saying things. He's teaching things. He's doing things 
that are out of the norm. And people seem to like what he's doing. So that needs to be squelched. That needs to be silenced. And the only way they know to get rid of him is just to have him killed. But they know that they can't do that because if they do that, the majority of the people are going to get upset with them. So they just sit there stewing. That's the first piece of bread. On the other side is another piece of bread. And you thought that first piece was moldy. Flip the sandwich over and look at the back piece. The back piece is a man named Judas Iscariot. Now, you can kind of understand why the religious leaders were doing what they were doing. But Judas? Judas is one of the twelve. Jesus must have seen something at some point in time in Judas's character that he said, I think I can use this person. I think this person has potential. Perhaps he even saw him as a kind of a possibility of a friend. Now, that's all we know about Judas, according to the Gospel of Mark. But the story tells us that Judas looked for an opportunity to betray Jesus, to hand him over, to offer him up to the chief priests and scribes. Who needs enemies when you got a friend like that, right? What's amazing is the writer of this gospel doesn't tell us why. We're, we're told that he was offered some money, but we're not sure how important that was in the whole deal. I mean, we can read in between the lines, but the writer isn't going to tell us anything. He just says that Judas was willing to betray him. I think sometimes we imagine Jesus as more than human, and we forget that Jesus probably hurt and felt pain just like we do. If you right now were to imagine and remember a time when you were betrayed by someone that was really close to you, It may have been a time when you were a child, a young adult. If you spend enough time with that memory, it's almost like opening up an old wound again. That pain that you felt back then can become very real in the present. And I imagine that's how Jesus felt. This was someone that he had spent hours and hours with. And he so quickly just turned, gives it away. And when that happens, when you feel betrayed, not only do you experience all these emotions, but one of the greatest problems with betrayal 
is we learn that we can't trust other people. You know, that's one of the biggest disadvantages of growing old, in my opinion. I mean, my body doesn't do the things that I would like it to do as well as it used to. But I've noticed that the longer I've lived and the more experiences I've had in life, and the more betrayals that I've had to go through, it becomes a lot harder to trust other people again. I've almost kind of become jaded, cautious. At times, not letting myself get close to other people because of afraid that I'll get hurt again. You know, you've heard the expression, fool me once, remember that one? And I think that's the greatest harm that happens to people when they've been betrayed. They begin to be aware of trusting in other people again. That person can be a family member. It can be your life partner. It can be a friend. But it, and the betrayal not only happens on an individual level, it happens on an institutional level. Unfortunately, we have churches. And one of the things that more progressive churches emphasize is a safe church. But unfortunately, it is even within churches that people can feel betrayed. And it becomes especially raw in churches because they feel, of all the places, this is where I ought to feel the most safe. That's the kind of stuff that hurts us. Right now, we're being torn apart as a country because we don't trust each other. We feel that we've been betrayed. There are individuals who believe that they were betrayed by the Trump administration, and there are people that are believed they have been betrayed by the Biden administration. There are people who feel they've been betrayed by the CDC and by scientists. There are people that feel they've been betrayed by their fellow countrymen or woman. And when you lose trust, you lose relationships. That's exactly what happened to Jesus on that Wednesday. Someone he knew and cared about was willing just to throw him away. Now, here's the reality of it. You can't control other people. You cannot control other people, which means you can't stop other people from betraying you. There's only one person you can control, 
and that's yourself. And what you have control of is you can control and you can choose to recommit to not betraying other people. Does that mean you're going to live a perfect life and never betray anyone again? No. More than likely, you'll betray someone else again. And that should concern us. But unfortunately, there's someone that we continue to betray over and over and over again, and we just flippantly tolerate it. The number one person that we betray in our life is ourselves. There are many ways that we can do this, but I just want to just briefly touch on three ways that more than likely we end up betraying ourselves. Number one, by comparing ourselves to other people. Do I have as many wrinkles as, as, as Gary over there? Do, do I ride my motorcycle better than that person over there? Do I preach better than that minister over there? We're continuing to evaluate and get a sense of who we are and how we feel about ourselves by comparing ourselves to other people. And by doing that, we're sabotaging ourselves. We're betraying ourselves. And whether you believe that God created you or you evolved into the person you are, it doesn't matter. The reality is there's only one of you. You are unique. So don't waste your time comparing yourself to other people. But it is an amazing way that we betray ourselves and belittle ourselves and think less of ourselves is when we compare ourselves to others. Number two, we pretend to be someone that we're not. We take on this persona. Now, I understand to a certain degree that that happens. What you're like at home with just you and your partner and your family is different from the person you're going to be in public. We all understand that. But what I'm talking about is much more than that is when you cannot be yourself because you're always worried about what other people are going to think about you. These people have expectations of you, you believe. And you have to act a certain way, you believe, in order to be accepted, in order to fit in, to belong. You can't be really who you are, so you put on airs. And by doing that, we're betraying who we truly are. And then the third way that we betray ourselves, and this one really kind of caught my attention. The third way that we, compare, we betray ourselves is when we look for another person to make us feel complete. Complete. 
When I first started as a minister, I would do weddings, and I would ask this question. It was such a stupid question I asked, stupid question, now that I reflect back on it. But the question was, why do you want to marry this other person? And I would always qualify it with, other than you love them, because that's what they're going to say. Other than loving them, why? I don't know how many times I heard this answer. They complete me. They make me whole. And for the longest time, that answer sounded really good. You found your other half. But if you believe that you need another person to complete you, you're betraying yourself. They may compliment you, but folks, you're the cake. If you're lucky enough to have another person in your life that you care about and cares about you, that's all icing, folks. That's all icing. And I don't care what kind of icing you like. But if you believe that someone else has to be the cake with you, you're betraying yourself. You need someone else to make you complete. Aren't we enough? individually? I think the one person that I think captured and understood this was Jesus. On that Wednesday, when his friend betrayed him, on that Wednesday, when he knew that there were people who just not only didn't like him, they wanted him dead. It would have been so easy for Jesus to say, you know what, I don't need this. I'm going back up north. Going to find me a nice little place to live. Maybe start my own business again as a carpenter. I don't need this. But when I look at Jesus' actions in the words, the one thing I see constant is he was true to himself. Other people might betray him, but he would not betray himself. Do you care enough about yourself to do that for yourself? You see, before you can betray anyone else, more than likely you've already betrayed yourself. Think about that. Before you can betray anyone, more than likely you've already betrayed yourself. And that's the one thing, in my opinion, Jesus would not do. Maybe that's us now. To be true to who we really are. To tap into the goodness that is within us and to be true to that.
as you listen to this next piece of music, I just ask you to have an open mind. And if thoughts of betrayal that have happened to you pop into your mind, I hope you will find some healing there again. And perhaps now is the time to ask yourself and commit to yourself a gift for you, from you, that you're going to follow in the steps of Jesus and be true to who you are. Think about that. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.